Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, we're counting down, folks. Getting that much closer. Thanks for jumping aboard this early on Birds 365, a Macamac affair. Your two Macs being your truly Joe McDonald and my partner, John McMullen, who is not only going to give us insight and everything he knows about the draft today, but he's going to give us 110%, not 100, 110% effort, which he has to because he is fighting through COVID shot number two, <laughs> which he did yesterday and is yeah. doing so again today. Uh, I think that he is putting on a brave face that he's actually almost in tatters. And uh, if we didn't have to turn the camera on, he would just fall down uh, right <laughs> next to the wall that he's sitting at right now. But no, he's a gamer. You try yes. and figure that out. You went over to his house from a prone position. He would play rock, paper, scissors. He is That's that, true. Tough competitive. Guy competitive. that competitive. That's well done. Well, I always joke my, my favorite generals, I said this on the air last night in South Jersey, Jody. My favorite generals, Schwarzkopf, Patton, Malaise. I have a general malaise since this shot. <laughs> However, it's not that bad. You know, I'm not going to take a day off like, say, Aton Shander on the middle. Ooh, shout out goal <laughs> score. Um, I heard that uh, General Malays was a great tactician. Great uh, tactician. You you just don't beat his ability. Well, my, interestingly, my wife thinks I'm a great tactician. She thinks I'm making it up to, you know, so I don't have to do the stuff around the house. But did, no, it's it's real. General Malays. Did the wife get uh, COVID shot number two yet? Yes. She got it two days before me. She was fine. She's oh, a trooper. Okay. Well, then, yeah, she's going to tell yeah, you. She's gonna, and she assumes what happens to her happens to everybody. Of course. And I said, that, yeah, I said that, there are people who were laid up for a couple of days. I, I'm still doing stuff. Because uh, you are uh, above and beyond General Malaise, which is uh, very, very uh, telling as to the type of uh, inside inner personality that you have. All right, let's talk about the inner personality of those who will hear their name called some did you do the math how many hours we got to go with yeah i didn't do the math i count on you for the math i'll I give know, it a math about, 36, 36 hours, hours. yeah yeah can, there you go it's, it goes so slow to this point i can do it it was a little more difficult yesterday it's uh, easier today one day plus a half a day is 36 uh, hours till the jacksonville jags are on the clock and yes we're going to talk mostly about the eagles but let me just take a jacksonville sidestep here did you see the quote from Chad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, yesterday? I did not see the one you're specifically. I can imagine what I, I've seen what Chad says, so I can here's, imagine here's, where he's going. Here's what he had to say because of Urban Meyer taking over the organization. They brought him in from college where he had the tremendous success that he did have, but this is his first shot in the NFL. But apparently the owner likes his – uh, general malaise type <laughs> attitude. He's taking charge of that organization. And we know full well that they've got the first overall pick in the draft, which is probably going to mean uh, Trevor Lawrence to come in and run their uh, program. 
His quote yesterday is, what a time to be alive moment that you are experiencing right now in Jacksonville. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. You don't get the number one pick all the time, every day, although a lot of teams are so bad they're in that equation far too often. And you can argue Jacksonville's been up there too much. But I will say, Jody, this is a great year to be number one because everybody says Trevor Lawrence. Nothing is a guarantee. But, I mean, that guy has just been ready, you know, a superstar since high school, five-star recruit, goes to Clemson, has all the success. People talk about him as the cleanest quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Some go all the way back to John Elway. I mean, you got to feel comfortable if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you know if you get the quarterback, Jody, think about Andrew Luck. You know, people forget because it didn't end well because of the injuries and he had some off-the-field interest and he walked away from the game. But, you know, that Colts team turned around immediately. They didn't win the, the Super Bowl championship, but they had, I think, three straight seasons with 11 wins and they were in the AFC championship game. I mean, you're going to be in the equation. If Trevor Lawrence is even close to what people expect to be, they're going to be in the equation pretty consistently and pretty quickly, I might add. You're right. Andrew Luck did not make a Super Bowl. The farthest the Colts advance was the AFC championship game, and we all know why they didn't win that game, right, John? Yeah, well, they got blown out in that game. But, it, oh, you know, that, it's that's because the, the deflator got a hold of yeah, the Yeah, the deflator got the, you know, the Patriots cheap, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's a little jealousy, to be honest. Uh, which was, yes, a bit of an overstatement because the game was not competitive yeah. that day. What was I it, 41 to 3? I the forget. Pounds per inch yeah. of the football was the reason that the Colts yeah. got their rear ends kicked by uh, uh, five yeah. touchdowns. Um, but he did. You're right. He advanced that program. Which brings me to point number two. And again, yes, we will get to the Eagles, folks. Um, do you think that Trevor Lawrence, because the, the conversation raises here on Birds 365 and everywhere else in they're talking football about the other quarterbacks, he and Zach Wilson, because it's become pretty well known that the Jets are going to take him at number two, are almost being undersold. The conversation is more about Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, because we don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that the Jets are making a mistake. Not a, not a. Oh my God, we'll sink the franchise for the next twenty five years type mistake. It's just I prefer Justin Fields, so I think the Jets are making a mistake. Uh, it, Trevor Lawrence is this like once every decade level quarterback. Yeah. And he's being woefully undersold because there's more intrigue elsewhere. There's no intrigue to Trevor Lawrence. We know he's going number one. You think that bothers him? I don't think it bothers him because, uh, I mean, he's pretty um, competent in himself for good reason. He's been in this type of position. He succeeded. That's one of the reasons people like him so much. He's got uh, total control of the position as a whole to this point, he always has. And part of the reason is because it's so easy for him. And that's what you're looking for. I mean, there's no doubt in that kid's mind because he, he has been on this trajectory. Now he's going to have some hiccups. It's, it's not going to be easy, but he understands that at Clemson. He's also lost. He didn't win national championship every year, but 
So he's been in difficult circumstances, but I don't think you're going to waver that kid's confidence at all. And that's one of the positives and one of the intangibles that people love, which I don't think are as important as the physical traits, but I think it helps. That that part of it helps as well. So I don't think he cares. He's going number one. He knew he's going number one. That's it's got to make you feel good, actually. Right. I'm not uh, saying it will shake his confidence <clears throat> when he gets onto the field at all, because he's going to go number one. No, I'm kind of. I guess I'm playing to the ego. When when you come into a draft and you've got uh, inside experts saying things like the best quarterback since Andrew Luck, maybe the best quarterback since John Elway, as you already noted, you'd like to hear that more often. You'd like a bigger deal to be made out of that. (laughs) But the lead up to this draft is, well, who the hell the 49 is going to take it number three? Is it going to be Mac Jones and everyone? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, great players are great players. They don't shy away from that kind of stuff. So, I think I think it's unfair. I said yesterday in the show when we were going back and forth about Devontae Smith, I think it's unfair to compare Trevor Lawrence to John Elway. I mean, just the odds of, of him being that level quarterback aren't good. But I, I think people who are good at what they do embrace that kind of stuff. They don't shy away from it. I just think if people expect, you know, John Elway, they're probably going to be disappointed. But but who knows? From Trevor Lawrence's perspective, he's like, yeah, he might not even know who John L. El- you know how kids are today, Jody. He, he might. He's like, who's John Elway? I'm going to go out and do my own thing. And you know, they they tend when you're that good at something, you tend to embrace it and you tend to to fuel yourself with those expectations. But I always think it's unfair. I think it's completely unfair. Well, John Elway's draft class was 37 years ago, and if Trevor Lawrence said, who's John Elway, it would not be the most ridiculous thing ever. But yeah. take it as a challenge. Say, well, I hope 35 years from now someone's talking about a quarterback who's coming out and going, yeah. this might not well, be fair, but he could be the next Trevor Lawrence. You need to set – the bar has been set really high for you. Now it's your turn to go ahead and set the bar high for You know, something else. just clicked for me, Jody. I'm thinking about last year in the Eagles and the Seahawks and DK Metcalf because, you know, there's all this talk about um, – the Eagles should have drafted DK Metcalf. He wasn't on their board at that point because of a medical red flag. But beyond that, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder about the Eagles because nobody cares about that kind of stuff. But uh, Jim Schwartz walked up to him. You probably remember this before the game. And he and he just lauded him. And he, and he started talking about Calvin Johnson. And he said, you're not Calvin Johnson, but you're there yet. You're, you're, you're on your way, in other words. Um and and DK took that as a slight. Yeah, he took it as a slight. So you know when you're when you're that good, you do something that was offered that was meant to be offered as a compliment. He took it as a slight. That's generally how players take that kind of thing. And you want to know something? It works. If oh, you're yeah. the player, anything you can do to create in your own mind a competitive edge, even if. 19 out of 20 people who hear what was said about you and go, oh, no, they're, they're, they're trying to compliment you. Yeah. If you're smart enough and you can convince yourself, if not Amen. trick yourself into believing it, use it. Help, and he help did get use yourself it. motivated. And he killed the Eagles. He used it. Um, and Jim Schwartz got killed for doing it. 
which I thought was kind of silly as well. But, um, you know, that's what we're talking about. I mean, I I remember going back talking to, to Ant Lee from Florida State about Chuck Foreman at, in, in, in Minnesota. He had no idea who Chuck Foreman was. No idea. Um, you know, just because you play football doesn't mean you're uh, – into the history of football. So a lot of these guys are like, what are you talking about? Who are these old timers? Who are these, you know, so-and-so. But I think for the most part, if you're a first round pick, if you're a top five pick, top 10 pick, you, you got some confidence because you don't get to that position uh, without having a lot of confidence in your ability. Uh, a couple of things before we start in with our birds, 365 discussion. You you intrigued me there. Amply. Amply. I remember State. him out of Florida State. I'm Florida. not picking up on the comparison with George Foreman, though. Chuck Foreman. Uh, Chuck Foreman. My bad. George Foreman. <laughs> Great grill guy, that George Foreman. Yeah, he um, was. Great receiver I... out of the backfield. Chuck Foreman was one of the uh, early, one of the first great receivers out of the backfield. Oh. Um for those old and amply came out and was a tremendous, tremendous receiver coming out of the backfield. Gotcha. Chuck Foreman was really the first, he was the first uh, guy who piling up 70, 80 catches out of the backfield. So that was the comparison. We got drafted by Minnesota. He had no idea who Chuck Foreman was. Gotcha. I, yeah, see, I thought of Chuck Foreman, and you're right. As soon as you said, that, I said, Oh, that's right. He could catch the ball out of the backfield, but he was a, uh, big enough guy that he oh, was he's big. He's tremendous. Big he's a great runner, tackle. too. Yeah. He's and a great runner, could, too. He could move the pile, whereas Ampley was, I don't want to call him a scat back, but uh, not yeah, nearly as big. And was a guy who you were right, tremendous out of the backfield. So now I, I understand the point you were going to try and make, because I thought of them as uh, pretty different backs. Yeah. But the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Uh, yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking. About, oh, by the way, um, we talked a lot about uh, the Devonta Smith from Alabama. I think it would be a phenomenal pick if he fell down to the Eagles. You have questions on him. I think he's going to be a continuous all pro. Uh, you're not 100 uh, percent sure. You mean if we got him on the show today and I said um, he thinks you can be the next Bambi in the National mm -hmm. Football League? He'd go, wait a minute. You're comparing me to a little deer. Slip, uh, the was, Slim Reaper, I think he would prefer. The uh, Slim Reaper. Speaking I, of great receivers, Jody, the Bucks, since we're live, I got to tell people, are getting the band back together. We know they're signing everybody. Antonio Brown is back. Another great receiver. Well, at one time, a great right. receiver. And he's uh, not going to put up the numbers in Tampa no. that he did in Pittsburgh, but I, I tip my hat to him. You got to, if you do this business right, uh, when you're right, you can take some credit for it. When you're wrong, you got to admit to it. And I thought Antonio Brown signing last year by the Bucks was a blatant mistake because his track record was what it was. And Tampa was pretty good. And they had a pretty damn good locker room. And I said, why would you want to rock that boat? Yeah, you're I wouldn't have done it. I would not have done it. But it worked. Brady is Brady is amazing in that he can corral these guys and get them to curb their behavior, not their enthusiasm. And he came in and made plays for them again, not like he did in Pittsburgh when he was arguably the best wide receiver in the league, but he became a complimentary player, a role player, 
and he had no off-the-field issues, which he had in Pittsburgh, which he had in Oakland. He didn't really get a chance to have him in New England, but he had off-the-field issues before he got there. And the Patriots said, no, 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 you're not bringing this into our house. And they got rid of him before he ever uh, got a chance to do that. And think about Jody. He was at one point the dead money king. Um, as far as Pittsburgh moving on, and the Raiders had to move on as well. But, you know, think about all the things he had to do to push those organizations to that point. And that's why, you know, people like me and Andrew Brandt would say, well, the Eagles are never going to eat $34 million for Carson Wentz. He's too good a guy. He's too professional. You got to get to the point where you're just creating all kinds of waves. But we were wrong, Jody. We were wrong. Yeah, the Eagles uh, did move on from Carson Wentz. We will move on to the Eagles. But one last overall note, uh, we're getting off on an NFL tangent here to start the show. That's an NFL show. The deal that the Dolphins made yesterday to move Eric Flowers to Washington, either you can help me out and explain it to me or say you don't understand it either. Uh, Flowers high draft pick by the Giants. Um, Let me see if I can describe his giant career. Bust. They <laughs> gave up on him. They cut yeah. him. They ate dead cap money. Top uh, 10 pick, by the way. Top right. 10 pick. He ends up in Washington, puts his career back on track. Uh, not necessarily a star, but certainly better than he was with the Giants. Signs with Miami, goes down to Miami, plays a year for them. They give him a new contract. And this year now, before the contract even kicks in, they turn around and trade him back to Washington and oh, by the way, a big chunk of it was a signing bonus in the new contract, guaranteed money yeah. in year one that they've already cut him the check. So Washington is going to get to pay him less, like only $3 million this year when he's supposed to be on a $9 million contract. Uh, what is Miami? Are they? Are we supposed to read into that? They're going to go offensive line with their first pick because they're clearing out a spot. They'll pay a guy. They'll send a guy out of town for basically nothing. All they're doing is swapping late round draft yeah. picks. We're not even getting anything for Eric Flowers. I, I, that whole trade, when I sat down to try and analyze, I go, all right, I got no idea what this yeah, is. I, a, I don't know what Miami's doing. I agree with you from a business standpoint. It it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, you brought we just brought up some of the off-the-field issues. That's the kind of information we don't know. Who knows what's going on? But, yeah, from a contract standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. They're moving Robert Hunt, I think, in from tackle to guard. But, yeah, I think you start thinking about the Dolphins. Everybody said, well, they're going to take a receiver, whether it's um, if Jamar Chase is there. If if not, maybe Devontae Smith, maybe Jalen Waddell. Now you have to think if the Cincinnati Bengals take uh, Jamar Chase at number five, yeah, Panay Sewell sitting there. He Maybe. could be Dolphins, Dolphins' uh, way now. And I don't think anybody had entered that into the equation. Now you have to at least think about it. You have to think about it pretty seriously. And again, uh, just my inability to comprehend certain situations. This would be a deal that would, it would never make sense, but it would make more sense if they waited till the draft actually took place. And like Howie Roseman told us, oh, all these things are negotiated ahead of time. And then when the time comes, you've got some information in the bank already. You're ready to pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, that's what I would do if I were the Dolphins. Work it out with Washington and then see if the guy you want to take is in the draft, is there and available. I don't know why they needed to do it now, but 
uh, the Dolphins have uh, done a couple of those deals this offseason, including making the Eagles react a month before the draft to try and trade down from number 12 to number six. Speaking of the Eagles, that's what you got to start doing. Lots of Eagles draft conversation to cover today. We'll get a helping hand coming up next. Joining us here on Birds 365 is John's compatriot Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated. He's up next for Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Day before the NFL draft edition of Birds 365, Mac and Mac McMullen and McDonald here with you. Adding to the mix here on Birds 365 is a frequent contributor. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, John McMullen, but Ed Kratz is the leader in the clubhouse with appearances on Birds 365. Yeah. Well, Ed's my guy. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep Ed in the mix. So that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But we've had a lot of big guests. None of them bigger than Ed Kratz from right. SI.com. 
uh, frequency is important, and we get Eddie up as uh, often as we can. And yes, we also like him because he's as follically challenged as the regular <laughs> host of this show. Uh, Mr. Kratz, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm great, Jody. I don't know how you did it. I know you were on the airwaves late last yeah, night. How about here you are again this morning, man. I tell you, pumping that coffee, huh? Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. He's for an Iron Man. Appreciate now, that. Now, Ed, you know, we're, we're getting closer. 36 hours away, Jody tells me. He did the math. Um, I'm not, that's not my strong point, but I, I will say you and I heard an interesting little tidbit from two different sources today, uh, yesterday. So that kind of led me to say, maybe there's something to this. So talk about the potential player the Eagles really might be targeting. Yeah, well, I'm impressed Jody's doing math. I mean, very little sleep, and he's doing math, too. Man, I, whatever they're paying write it down. Enough, you got, my I got to write it down. If I don't write it down, I have no shot whatsoever. <laughs> you got to take your shoes off, too, right? Your hands, your fingers, your toes. I got you. Um, well, yeah, I've listen, I, I think the Eagles uh, love Patrick Sertain, or Sertan, I think, is now how it's called. I spoke to the Alabama beat writer, um, yesterday, uh, longtime beat writer. He's from the Camden area, Christopher Walsh. Terrific, uh, does a great job covering what really is the 33rd NFL team down there in Tuscaloosa, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And um, it's Patrick Sertan, is how the last name is said. I usually have been saying it's Sertain. But yeah, well, you're right. If you look up the pronunciation, yeah. it says Sertain. And, and now we might have to ten. get used to. Yeah, so we, we, we I got to figure that out myself. Yeah. And we may get used to having to say that uh, because I know the Eagles and speaking to some people really, really like him. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, here we are 36 hours and counting, as Jody said, from the draft. There could be a lot of stuff that's floated out there. It's usually very, very difficult to pin down the Eagles on what they're going to do in the draft. But, you know, I know they like Sertan and, you know, the Cowboys are sitting there at number 10 and, a lot of people think Sertan's going to go to Dallas with that pick. So the Eagles have to find a way, if they love him as much as I've been led to believe and you've been led to believe, John, to get ahead of Dallas at 10 uh, to get a chance to land Patrick Sertan, who um, would probably be, if the Eagles can get ahead of Dallas, the first defensive player to come off of the board in the draft. Um so what's I think he's going to be the first to come off, whether it's eight, whether it's ten, yeah. wherever he comes off. I think he's going to be the first defensive player. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, what's it going to take to get? I mean, they've already traded out of six, right? So they're yeah. not going to trade back to six. I don't think they're going to go to five with the Bengals. I think it's too prohibitive. So who does that leave you with? The Lions, the Panthers, and the uh, and the Broncos. And I think the Broncos are just going to sit tight with yeah. their new uh, GM at nine probably take whatever quarterback is sitting there at that spot. Uh, so that leaves you with the Lions and the and the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers need a tight end, right? They, if you look at their depth chart, they don't have a tight end. The Eagles have a, a, a three-time Pro Bowl tight end that is bracing for a trade this weekend. Zach Ertz, of course, we're talking about, and I think he's going to get moved. And, you know, he would certainly – in my opinion, be a chip that could be used to get the Eagles to number eight with the Panthers. Of course, you're going to have to give up more than just Ertz and, and that 12th pick. Um, you know, maybe a third rounder. You have two in the third round. The Eagles do number 70, and they have the Colts pick at 84 overall. 
so you might have to give up the 84th pick, maybe throw the, the Panthers have six picks in the draft, none of them in the seventh round. And I know, you know, these late round picks aren't supposed to be, uh, you know, very good picks or very good quality players to take in those rounds. But there are players you can take. And, you know, maybe you throw a sweetener in of a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick. You know, the Eagles have three sixth rounders and two seventh rounders. So, you know, the Eagles are one to keep an eye on that could potentially trade up to the Panthers, give them Ertz, move up to eight and grab Sertain there and get ahead of the Cowboys picking Sertain or Sertan at number eight. And if uh, the uh, former Alabama cornerback decides that his name is going to be pronounced differently when he gets to the NFL, he's not going to be the first. I remember I went back and forth between Tony Dorsett and Tony Dorsett for years after he entered the National Football League. So you're allowed to do that when you remember it it used to be Joe Thiesman. Right. Uh, Joe Thiesman changed it to rhyme with Heisman, but he he didn't win the Heisman. When he was playing high school football here in New Jersey. Yes, he was Thiesman. Uh, When he was up for a major award in college, all of a sudden he became Thiesman. You are correct. Um, uh, on this hypothetical move up by the Eagles to get in front of the Cowboys to take Patrick Sertain or Sertan or uh, whatever Patrick wants to call himself, um, would we read into that the type of defense the Eagles are going to be playing? Uh, we always evaluate <clears throat> players and how they're going to fit into the system for the last several years after uh, the latest Eagles defense was put in place with Jim Schwartz running it. And Jim Schwartz had a track record, more of a track record as as a defensive coordinator um, that you could say, all right, here's what I think they're going to plug him in as. Do we read into that, that the Eagles are going to be more of a zone team than a press coverage team? Because at least the scouting reports I've read, that is a strength more of Sertan than it is of J.C. Horn, who is the other quarterback who'd be sitting on the board. Will this be a telltale that we can read something into as a kind of defense, specifically in the secondary, the Eagles are going to maintain this year? Yeah, you know, I wish we would have been able to talk to Jonathan Gannon, the new defensive coordinator, before uh, this draft process. But we, we, you know, for some reason he wasn't made available to us. So we're kind of just, you know, grasping – uh, at thin air here and looking into his past and see what he has done. And he's done a lot of that in, in Indianapolis and, and San Diego. I mean, he has run a lot of zone coverage. So yeah, I would suspect that that's what we're going to see. And you're right, Jody, that uh, Sertan is considered a better zone coverage corner than, you know, the press man to man type. Um, but listen, the Eagles just need – whatever defense you play, they need cornerbacks. You know, you still are going to need cornerbacks <laughs> no matter what D you're playing because you got to stop the pass. You know, in an NFL pass-happy league, you got to be able to stop the pass. So they don't have many of those guys. You know, they have Darius Slay. Of course, we've all talked about it, 30 years old, big cap hit number next year, the year after. I don't think he's long for this roster after the 21 season. So they got to find guys. And, you know, a cornerback that they love, they need to do whatever they can to find a way to get him. And what I've been told is they love Sertan. And so you need guys that can just play any defense. Uh, And then you don't stop there with just Sertan. You go after and you find another cornerback. I mean, this could be – last year we saw the Eagles – uh, gang up at the wide receiver spot, taking three guys, one in the first round. We could see another uh, uh, trip like that where they take three cornerbacks, including one in the first round. 
because they need them. That's the bottom line. Play whatever defense you want. Doesn't matter. You got to have a cornerback to play whatever you're going to line up in. You know, I do have to mention, Ed, before I get deeper into Sertan with you, um, the Panthers do have Colin Thompson, Archbishop Wood kid from, you know, his friend of the show. So I do have to mention that. But if they are interested <laughs> yeah. in, in Zach Ertz, that would make things easier. Because I did look up uh, the Jimmy Johnson draft chart. So it, if it's going to be draft picks to move from 12 to 8, say, they're going to have, have to give up that first third round pick, uh, which I – 70 overall, and they're going to have to give up the fourth rounder that they got from Miami, which I think is 123. Now, when you add that into the mix and say, okay, we're giving up 12, we're giving up 70, we're giving up 123 to go get Patrick Sertan, or do you just wait at 12 and get J.C. Horn? But where, where do you see the value of that? Well, First of all, I don't think you're giving up both picks because you're including Zach Ertz. Well, um, yeah, I'm saying if you can't get them, if they don't want no. Zach Ertz, that's okay. what the trade sh- chart says. Right. If you have to go in that direction, do you still see the value there? No. I, well, I, listen, I <laughs> I would probably still do it, to be honest with you, because if they love a, a cornerback as much as they apparently love Sertan, then then go get him, no matter the cost. You, you have 11 picks, and I know – you know. 70 and the fourth round pick that uh, that fourth round pick you got in the trade back with Miami, uh, they're, they're premium picks, no question about it. Uh, but I would rather have the terrific cornerback who started all four years in the SEC, whose father is an NFL legacy. And if they feel that strongly about him, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go get him. Uh, and I'm going to give that up. But, you know, listen, I would really push hard for them to take Zach Ertz in the deal. I know you love Colin Thompson. I think he ended up at Temple, <laughs> too. So he's a, yes, you know, not he only a good guy, he started at Florida and came back yeah. to Temple. So, um, listen, he's a terrific guy. There's no question. I've talked to yeah. Colin Thompson. and um, But, you know. No, I know. I'm just I'm just yeah. But I, But real quick, to, to follow up, then, Eddie, if you love the kids so much, why dance around? What? Why drop from six? Why not take him at six and guarantee yourself and not create the headache? Now, we know the value. We know the extra first-round pick. But then if you can't get it done and you don't get the player you want, you have to settle for J.C. Horn, and I put settle in quotations. Is that Howie trying to be too smart for the room? If you love the kid that much, take him at six. Well, then you don't have that extra first round pick in 2022. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty valuable chip. And, you know, how he was asked about that when he talked to us at his pre-draft ability, uh, availability. And, and he said that, you know, getting another team's first round pick is not an easy thing to do. Um, so when you come waving that type of chip in front, you know, under Howie's nose, I, you know, it'd be hard to say no to that. You know, you take that first round pick and then, you, you know, when you come up for a, you know, a breath of air and you say, OK, now where are we? We're at 12. We already looked at the board. As he said, we looked at, to see if there were 12 players that they really liked and they felt comfortable that they would find somebody at 12. But now you're thinking, well, you know what? We love Patrick Sertan. We've talked to him. We've, you know, we've interviewed him many times. Uh, let's see if we can't get up and get him. You know, we're not going to give up a first round pick. Uh, essentially, they're giving up their 12th overall, but they're getting an eighth. Uh, 
Um, and they're only going to give up a third and maybe, like you said, John, a fourth if it comes to it. But you still have that first next year, and that that's a pretty hot chip. I mean, imagine next year when we're going into the draft, these two or three months building up to the draft, and the Eagles have at least two first-round picks, maybe three. Of course, maybe once three, it's yeah. a, a lot of playing time. <clears throat> I mean, just how yeah. much, how, how thrilling is it going to be to talk about the potential? Oh, no doubt. To have I, three I guys my, in the first round. Yeah. My, my point would only be, and sorry, I'm stepping on Jody, but my point would only be is, look, it's great if it works, but if it doesn't work and you can't get back up to get the kid you want and you're settling for somebody else, that's where I think it becomes a little bit shaky. And, you know, if he gets up and gets certain and is able to do it, hey, yeah, it's, it's great. But you are, there's a lot of risk there. There's a lot of risk to go back and then assume you can go back up. There is, but let me uh, jump in here and it's almost going to sound like I'm playing the role of John McMullen when I make the point that I'm going to make. Um, to cut Howie Roseman some slack, their opinion on Sertain Sertan may have changed between Fair. when they made the deal and as we sit here today, he may have impressed them more. More scouts may have chimed in. They they may think, oh, my God, you know, the Cowboys are screwed. If we could stick it in their eye. And the value of certain on their board may have increased between the time that they made the deal with the Dolphins. So I'm not going to hold them. Why didn't you just stay at six? Well, they might have thought differently at that time, which I think is perfectly fine. Here's where I might have an issue. If we're talking about them trading the backup and getting to, say, number eight, and that's a position where they could take the cornerback to keep them from going to the Cowboys. What if the five quarterbacks come off the board in the first five picks and uh, Kyle Pitts comes off the board and the Dolphins, well, let's say the Dolphins decide to go wide receiver at six and the Lions go uh, Pitts at number seven. What if Panay Sewell is still sitting there? What if this guy who we were led to believe is going to be an Anthony Munoz type left tackle? Yeah, I know, unfair comparison. But it's what we do, guys. We always compare yeah. guys to the best of the best. Uh, Sewell, for some reason, has, in some people's opinions, begun to do a little bit of a slip slide down the draft board. What if he's on the board at that point? How do the Eagles, who have forever been an organization that has put an emphasis in the trenches when they're drafting that high, and oh, by the way, you're moving back up to eight, that's high. How do you pass on a, a, a guy like Sewell to take a cornerback instead? Well, you'd have to look at your, your board very carefully and see who you have uh, ranked there for sure. And you're, you're right. I mean, they'd love to build through the trenches to the point where I think John in his last mock draft has the Eagles taken Rashawn Slater, um, who would be a terrific guy at, at 12 also. But you really have to look at your board and stay true to your board, um, keeping in mind that you still have several more picks to make uh, this weekend and that you're going to have – possibly 10 picks next year to, to find that guy. I think if you took Sewell, that creates a real log jam at that left tackle spot with Jordan Mulata and Andre Dillard. Would he be up an upgrade? Sure he would. Um, but again, I think it, you have to look at your board and you have to say, you know what, we do need cornerbacks. And Sertan, while he might be ranked a line below Penny Sewell, we have a real need. And I know people say take the best player available and all that, but I think the Eagles are in a position where they don't necessarily have to do that because of the amount of picks they have and then next year's capital as well. 
Um, it would certainly be an interesting dilemma, though. I mean, Sewell plays with a nasty, nasty streak to him and would really bring fire and passion on an all-offensive line that's getting older um, and is going to need some pieces in the coming years. But, again, I think it would depend on their evaluation, and, and they would have to think long and hard about need versus uh, BPA, best player available. I would still go Sertan. All right, Ed, a couple things Jody brought up that I think were interesting – one, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, is this too, does this have too much to do with the Dallas Cowboys? Because the Eagles assume the Cowboys are going to go corner. The Eagles assume, and I think they're right, by the way, that they would take Patrick Sertain since he's uh, on the board. Does that kind of goosing them, for lack of a better term? And then the second, this time last year, we were talking about Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State, who I think ended up number three overall. Uh, higher graded prospect for most people. Didn't work out well. Early uh, returns. Very, very difficult position to hit the ground running in the NFL, in the modern NFL as cornerback, because everything's against you. So Jody brought up the value of the position, Panesua, Rashawn Slater. Is the value even there that high in the draft at cornerback? We've seen so many busts in the top 10 at cornerback. Yeah, we have. There's no doubt. I mean, it's not like he's going to come in and hit the ground running and and be this great corner. I wouldn't think coming out of the gate. I mean, you know, the Cowboys had a young one in Trayvon Diggs last year from Alabama. They drafted in the second round and, um, you know, obviously not a top 10 guy, but he's a guy that needed some time to kind of get his feet under him in the NFL. I mean, you're, you're now going against men more or less in the NFL. You know, you're playing against guys in their mid twenties, late twenties, 30 years old, where in college you're playing against teenagers, uh, many of whom aren't going to see the light of day in the NFL. So it's an adjustment. There's no doubt. And it's a tough position to play. Um, so yeah, there's going to be some growing pains for sure. But again, if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you're looking at this as a, a, a two year retool, um, give him the year to develop, let him develop with Denard Wilson as his DB coach. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon as his defensive coordinator with that history of working with DBs, uh, and, and let him let 2021 kind of be that growth year. And then you come out in 2022 and maybe now he's your top corner because Darius Slay is no longer around. And remember, they're going to take some other corners, too, um, that they're going to develop uh, along the way. You would assume, you would hope that that's what's going to happen, that they would develop. You know, we talk about all these players uh, in the draft. And, you know, a big key is now you have to have coaches that can teach them how to be NFL players. Um, it didn't happen for, you know, Vernon Hargraves, I think it was, out of Florida. He was a top <laughs> ten corner. Um, but it happened with Denzel Ward uh, in Cleveland. I mean, he's he was a top 10 pick, and he's pretty good corner. Um, I think Akuda will be fine. You're right. He was a top five pick last year with the Lions. Um, so, yeah, th- these guys take time to develop, uh, especially a cornerback. I think the toughest position to play on the football field outside of probably quarterback is the cornerback spot. And um, they're not going to come in and be an all-pro the first year, but you hope that they can develop. Uh, into that type of player. Um, you know, the guy from Alabama, the other corner who plays for the Ravens, whose name escapes uh, me. Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, yeah Marlon right. Humphrey. Yeah. You know, he's another guy that needed to kind of develop, right? Um, but he's one of the best corners in the league. So, 
you have to give these guys some time. So why not, if you're looking at this as a 2022, 2023 situation where you want to be able to contend, give your cornerback a chance to grow in his first year without too much pressure of, you know, having to win 11, 12 games and then hope that when you can take the wraps off next year, he's ready to go. And uh, you and John combining on speculation for the Eagles to move up in the draft and get out of the Cowboys for a cornerback. Uh, you added into the mix. Could Zach Ertz be part of a package uh, that would in- help entice a team? I, I got to tell you, we've been trying to come up with a deal for Zach Ertz for <laughs> months now. It seems like that uh, Zach Ertz's trade is imminent. Well, it still hasn't happened. And Adam Kaplan said this week that look for it to happen either the lead up to the draft or in the draft itself. Except I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think the Eagles have these heightened expectations for what they can get in return with Zach Ertz. I think they've been basically shopping him across the league. And there's a reason that he's still here. The Eagles evaluation of Zach Ertz and the rest of the league's evaluation of Zach Ertz doesn't match up. Is it just the immediacy of the draft that leads people to believe that somehow those two things are going to converge and is going to be a doable deal? Because I read more into the fact that he's still here, that the Eagles can't get a deal done, than they're going to get a deal done. You think by the time we get to Monday, Zach Kurtz is the next Philadelphia Eagle? Yeah, I really do. And, and, you know, Jody, you're a baseball guy. You know how trade deadlines in baseball kind of spur action. Um, and I think that's similar to the draft is, you know, you're going to see action. I think you could see some other players move too. I know Miami shopping Xavier Howard, the cornerback who had 10 interceptions uh, for the Dolphins last year. They're, they're probably going to try to move him. And, um, you know, you're going to, I think you're going to see some other players get dealt too. So I would be surprised if Zach Ertz is still on this team Monday morning for sure. Um, if it doesn't work out with the Panthers or other teams in play, you know, the Buffalo Bills could probably use a tight end and they're sitting at number 30 with a stacked roster that um, is ready to win. Now they could certainly afford to trade back and take on Ertz and the Eagles could try to move up from number 37 uh, to number 30. I mean, I think there are other opportunities, I think, with the Ravens, who uh, wanted to trade for Zach last year before he went on the IR. I think they're in play, certainly maybe later in the draft. I mean, there are going to be opportunities uh, to trade Zach Ertz. And, um, you know, they're not going to get the straight-up number three type pick for him, you know, the third-round type pick that they wanted. Um, but I think they'll get some value in a deal to move him and, and give him his wish and get him onto his next team. And, um, and I think we're going to see it happen. I really do at some point. Um, I mean, here we are. It is day, the day before the draft. You know, we yeah. could see something today, doubt it. But perhaps tomorrow, uh, once that draft starts and the clock starts ticking, uh, we could see the Eagles pull the trigger on Zach Ertz uh, early uh, before the draft goes any further than the first round. Yeah, I look at Buffalo and 30, uh, Ed, as you mentioned, as a natural spot. The Bills have shown significant interest in Zach. They need a tight end. You can attach him to maybe go up seven spots. We keep talking about 12, moving up, understandably so. But I think those first two picks are connected. In other words, if you if you have a cornerback, if you get a corner, well, then you have to go a certain direction at 37 or wherever you end up. 
uh, versus if you draft an offensive lineman, then you probably got to go to go get a cornerback at 37. So kind of talk about the marriage of those two picks. The Eagles have to hit on 37 just as badly as they have to hit on 12 or if they move up at either spot. Yeah, everybody assumes it's going to be corner, receiver, receiver, corner. And, you know, that that seems to be the way that they would go. But there is that that curveball of needing to build the the defensive line out, too. Um, But understand, too, that you can't get all your needs satisfied in one draft or, you know, the first three rounds of a draft. I mean, this is going to be a process. So. Um, after they go first round with whatever they go with, I would assume they're going to come back and try to find that playmaking type receiver, um, whether it's in the slot, whether it's a big guy like a Rashad Bateman or a Terrace Marshall who has, has the size, or if it's an Elijah Moore or a Kadarius Tony. But yeah, I, I think that one, two punch will be corner receiver or receiver corner. And, you know, the Eagles haven't really had a good one, two punch. I don't think since they brought Zach Ertz in the second round back in 2013 when they went Lane Johnson with the fourth overall and then uh, Zach Ertz 35th overall. I mean, that was a that was a Mike Tyson-esque one-two yeah. punch there, and that's what they need here uh, at 12 and 37, assuming they stay at 37. I think they're going to try to, if they don't move up in the first round from 12, I, I expect them to try to get back into the first round um, to, to land that, that second haymaker uh, and, and knock out the first round and then sit tight to the third round. Let me make my case for the Eagles going with a wide receiver. If you want to ask me what that wide receiver's name is, I'll tell you Devonta Smith. I'm in love with the guy. Uh, John McMullen, my partner, not as much. Perfectly fine. But above and beyond the fact that he's going to be a multiple Pro Bowl, All-Pro type player, just right now in a vacuum here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Am I remembering correctly the Chris Mortensen report that Jeff Laurie said our main objective needs to be to put better pieces around Jalen Hurts than bringing in competition for Jalen Hurts? Correct me if I'm wrong, but they hired an offensive head coach rather than a defensive head coach. Uh, Yeah, I've been saying cornerback is a distinct possibility, but isn't wide receiver where you can most help Jalen Hurts, if you get a guy directly that you can throw the ball to, isn't that what the owner wanted? Haven't we been talking all off season about how involved the owner is, more involved than ever before? Why would we think they're going to go defense when Jeffrey Laurie is the owner of this football team? <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, <laughs> it, and, you know, but you could help Jalen Hurts with that second pick being a receiver because there is talent at that spot. But I hear what you're saying, Jody. And then you had Nick Sirianni come out, though, and say, when he was asked what does a franchise quarterback look like, he, he said, well, it could look a lot of different ways. You know, and he's throwing his hands around. You know, it could look a lot of different ways. So we, we, you know, it could be a good running game. It could be a, a good defense. So, you know, maybe you can go with a defensive player, and maybe that helps Jalen Hurts become the franchise player in Nick Sirianni's eyes, but it probably doesn't help in Jeffrey Lurie's eyes. No. Um, but I, I could certainly – see your case, Jody, and say what you want about Devonta Smith. Listen, I, I was a big skeptic, just like John was, until I, I spoke to Chris Walsh. Uh, you know, I referenced him earlier from, uh, you know, our SI Bama Central site. 
And uh, he really sold me on Devonta Smith. Uh, you know, yeah, he's not the tallest guy. He's a great all-around player. But a lot of people don't think Jalen Waddle's that big either. Jalen Waddle's small. No, he's 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 five, just seven. over 5'9", 180 pounds. Smith is a shade over six feet and 166 pounds. And yet Smith hasn't been hurt. Waddle has. Waddle hurt the ankle last year. So I'm really I'm, – I'm, I've come around on Smith. And if they take him at 12 – I'm I'm mighty fine with that. I would certainly take that and 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 run with it. And Jeffrey Lurie would be happy because yeah, they're starting to put weapons around Jalen Hurts. Um, and then you come back in the second with the second pick and you find your cornerback, maybe Asante Samuel or Eric Stokes or Tyson Campbell. I mean, there's certainly depth at both those positions where you could go one way or the other in the first round or with your second pick. All right, you made Jody happy. So let's get you out of here on a on a high note, Ed. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. Um, you guys got to take a quarterback at some point. Uh, Joe Flacco's here as the backup, but he's aged, obviously, and you need a number three guy anyway. So they're going to take a quarterback. Where does it happen? Where is the earliest possible position point this team could go quarterback day two, or is it going to be just day three late developmental type prospect? Well, I, I know where you stand, John. I, I, you know, you've already laid your cards out there. You have them going Davis Mills, I believe in the third round with that. No, 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 no. I, no? that was one of my earlier ones. Oh, okay. Okay. My last, uh, my last one had KJ Costello late. Ah, that's right. Seventh round pick. That's right. Um, They've done a lot of work on KJ Costello, former Stanford guy. They love Stanford kids. Yep. Finished up at Mississippi State. Just a roll of the dice, throw of the dart. I think they're looking for quarterback more in 2022, but yeah. they're going to take a quarterback. So where yes. do you think that's going to be? I, you know, listen, I think they could go quarterback on day three for sure. I don't think they go day two. And again, it depends on what they do, you know, in the first two, two, three rounds of the draft. If they have two picks in the third round, would they try to take a flyer on a Davis Mills or, you know, um, uh, maybe Kyle Trask, who, who's mentioned kind of in that same range and played with Brian Johnson at Florida. Uh, but I don't uh, think they'll go a day two quarterback. I think they'll go day three, and it's just a matter of where and who. And, you know, your candidates, Sam Ellinger, Ian Book, uh, Davis Mills, I think will probably be gone. K.J. Costello, I like Jamie Newman a lot. You know, maybe you go in the fifth round and you, and you draft a Jamie Newman uh, from Wake Forest who transferred to Georgia, of course, and never played. He opted out. Um, but, yeah, they're going to find one. And I wouldn't be surprised if they then turn around and sign one as an undrafted free agent, because I think you're going to need four camp arms, whatever camp yeah. looks like. I think you still want four quarterbacks on your roster. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they'll go day three. I don't see them going day two uh, on a quarterback. Uh, day three, for sure, it just depends, again, uh, who's sitting there, how early you want to invest that pick, and then you come back after the draft and you sign one, um, because there are going to be guys out there that they're going to be able to sign. So, um, yeah, it's always exciting to get a quarterback, you know, for sure. They're not going to get one of the top five guys, that's for sure. They're not going that direction. So, um, Something's better than Clayton Thorson, and we're okay. <laughs> Boy, how about that? Five guys they picked that year. Sharif Miller was the fourth rounder and Clayton Thorson the fifth rounder. They got nothing uh, from those two picks. But, yeah, you're right. They have to do a better job, to use Andy Reid's phrase, of – evaluating the quarterback position in this draft. And with Sirianni's eyes, you hope that they do that. 
how he's not doing a good enough job to erase that year's draft from uh, league history. He wants to make believe that that year never really happened. Uh, Ed, thank you much for hopping on with us today. Uh, I'm just hoping that you have to have further conversations with your compatriot from down there in Alabama because the Eagles get one of those key Alabama guys, be it either at the corner and or the wide receiver with their first round picks of uh, continued conversations with Mr. Walsh. Uh, thank you for your continued conversations with us. Thanks, fellas. That is Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That would make this a Mac and Mac affair. We'll come back, continue the Birds conversation on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. It's a Mack and Mack get-together here on... Birds 365. We got an hour in the books. We've got an hour left to play here. And uh, at the top of the hour, we'll count it down even further, down to uh, even less hours to before the NFL draft. It's supposed to start uh, getting closer, and uh, tomorrow's show should be a good one because we'll be right on the doorstep of the NFL draft. 
One speculation you guys brought to the table today. You told me about it before the show ever started, and then uh, Ed confirmed that there's at least conversation out there about the Eagles potentially moving back up in the draft for a specific reason. Uh, if the Dallas Cowboys are sitting at 10, as the Eagles are at 12, the Eagles want to get into a position ahead of the Dallas Cowboys so that they can take a cornerback that they believe the Cowboys would certainly pull off the board at number 10, Patrick Sertan. Um, makes a lot of sense. It's a uh, hypothetical that does add up when you uh, try and uh, put the screws to it. Here's the question I have for you, John, not uh, the validity of this, because that's what this is. It's all the speculation season. So you guys are doing your homework as best you can. And, and if it happens uh, and that's what goes down, I'll give you and Ed uh, both a ton of credit come Friday, if that's uh, the way that it plays itself out. But the basis on which this is coming out is, at least in part, the fact that they want to get ahead of the Cowboys. No, yeah. they have to compete with the Cowboys. As of right now, at least per the Vegas odds, the Cowboys are the favorite to win the NFC least this year, despite <laughs> the fact that they didn't last year. That was the Washington football team. Uh, Dak Prescott coming back. The Cowboys have been elevated into favorite status. And if you want to uh, beat the number one team, you got to get past the number one team. So I get all of that, but it is the Cowboys we're talking about. The most hated rival a team that also finished like the Eagles below 500 last year. Can you get yourself in trouble when you try and make moves specifically for keeping one other team in your rearview mirror that, that you can make a mistake. You can get over aggressive when you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For specifically trying to make a move, something as big as moving up in the first round into the top ten of the draft, because you believe it will have a direct effect on one of your competitors. Yeah. It will, over time, affect all of your competitors. But does that scare you a little bit, John? It, it does. And I tried to bring that up with Ed, but we went down a, a different direction. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you talk about C.D. Lamb last year. Uh, people were talking about the Eagles trying to go up in front of Dallas to get him. You go all the back, way back to Dallas Goddard where the Eagles went up ahead of the Cowboys because they thought they were going to take Dallas Goddard. I think he can get too into too mixed up into that. We're old school, Jody. I can go all the way back to the 76ers, Andrew, Tony, uh, the Boston Strangler. Uh, you know, what did the Celtics do? That was the greatest rivalry in sports. They went out to get Dennis Johnson to stop Andrew, Tony, or at least slow him down. In that case, it worked a little bit. It can work. Um, or you could get too obsessed with it. Um, I think the Eagles and Cowboys are getting a little too obsessed. This has been a number of drafts in a row where they're trying to one-up each other. I mean, look, if you like the kid and you know Dallas is going to take him, 
I hope you go up and get the kid. If you're going up because you want to keep him away from Dallas, I don't like that. That's how I'll describe it. And, and oh, by the way, now this is just my uh, personal evaluation of this offseason, and I'll add into it my evaluation of the most important piece, the quarterback. The team that has improved itself the most this offseason is the New York Giants. Uh, granted, they, like the Eagles and the Cowboys, didn't win a division last year. They think the Eagles actually stiffed them out of that divisional championship, uh, but no one can really lay claim to being dominant in the NFC least from last year. Washington did get their playoff win, uh, their playoff appearance because of their last uh, game of the season win against the Eagles. But uh, I think the Giants have actually done a nice job of upgrading their team. They too are in front of the Eagles as of right now in the draft. I think the only thing the Eagles have going for them in a comparison to the Giants is I would take Daniel, uh, I would take uh, Jalen Hurts over uh, Jones, the quarterback of the Giants. Just not a fan. Uh, I think he was a force pick a couple of years ago. Uh, he's done nothing to wow me, and they seem to be married to him at least for another year going forward. I actually, <laughs> if, if both players were available to me, I could start a team. I would take Hurts over him. So uh, the Eagles do have that going for him. But are we underselling where the Giants are? In this division, they spent some good money this offseason, and I think they spent it kind of well to upgrade that roster. Yeah, I think a little bit. I, I will disagree with you. I think Dallas is the most improved team because they're getting their quarterback back, and he's the best quarterback in in the division by a pretty wide margin if he's healthy. Uh, and that's Dak Prescott, obviously. But I'm, I'm a little higher on Daniel Jones than you are. I think he's got great arm talent. Um, the problem is he turns the football over and you know, you have to, you know, is that ball security going to improve? Carson Wentz had the same issue with the fumbling problem, never improved. So that's kind of a, a thing where I don't know if you can teach somebody how to take care of the football when it comes to getting stripped inside the pocket. That's my biggest concern with Daniel Jones. Uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a little bit higher on him than you are because I think he can get the football down the field. I think he's pretty accurate. Um, I think there's some good traits there. And overall, yeah, I think the Giants have done a good job building up over the past couple seasons. That defense two years ago was really bad. Last year they got Blake Martinez. Uh, they got James Bradbury. They really settled it down. It turned into one of the – the most improved defenses in the NFL, I think they're going in the right direction. So, yeah, I, I think right now the Giants are in a better position than the Eagles. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Daniel Jones' uh, ability to take care of the football. To me, that's one of those. Other than that, how do you like to play, <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln, type issues? Well, guys it's have improved. Damn, that's a guys pretty bad Damn big uh, check mark next to his name, question mark next to his name. I said it. It's definitely a big question mark that you can improve. Let's look to the Giants at running back. Tiki Barber was awful with ball security early in his career. He fixed it. It, it generally people don't fix that type of thing, but there are outliers, and, and the Giants are the Giants have an example in their history because Tiki. Really, really clean that up. Um, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be able to clean it up. I've seen no evidence of it. I'm just saying if I see the some pretty significant arm talent, 
you seem to not be giving Daniel any credit for anything. No. Uh, his arm talent's uh, solid, not above average. And, yes, he does turn the football over. And, yes, I think he wilts under pressure of not only the other team's defense, but also in a big spotlight. Yeah, I'm not a Daniel Jones fan at all. But I'll say this also about the Giants. Granted, Dak Prescott coming back, because the quarterback position is uh, so influential in the outcome games in the National Football League, that by the nature of the position, that's going to be a massive improvement for the Cowboys. But you're just talking (laughs) about a talent level. I'll tell you the return of Saquon Barkley to the Giants is actually more significant than Prescott's return to the Cowboys. Uh, He is more of a star player to me. As good as Dak is, what is Dak? On his best day, a top 10 quarterback? He's certainly not a top five quarterback. Saquon Barkley, you make the arguments the best running back in the National Football League. So put him back into the mix, and that could be a really good big plus for the Giants. I mean, I think Saquon Barkley has top top talent at the running back position. I think he might be the most talented running back. I'm going to have to see it before I put him in there with Henry and Cook and Kamara. Those, to me, are the top running backs in football. Um, I can't put Saquon there. I couldn't put him there before he got hurt. I, I see the talent, but I, I think it, you need to, to produce more. And obviously part of that best available Ability is your best ability is availability. You got to be on the football field. That's a big concern. Number one, um, I don't care about where he was picked. I didn't see the value of that pick. I thought it was a mistake. But he's a talented kid. But I got to see it before I put him in the conversation with the best best running backs in football. I do know Malcolm Jenkins was in awe of his physical ability, and that tells you a lot. Anytime your peers are that in awe of you. You know you got some talent. Uh, I I did see it. Uh, granted, not for an entire season just yet. He hasn't been the day in day out like Derek Henry, like you say. Uh, just an entire season of high level production. Barkley flashed it and flashed it bigger than even a guy like Henry. But you're right, availability is the whole thing. Can he stay healthy for all 16 games? If he does, I think there's a chance he could actually lead the National Football League in rushing this upcoming season. All right, uh, we had Chris Landry on the line. He dropped back off again. We are scheduled to have Chris Landry, former NFL scout, uh, now analyst and uh, writer on his website, LandryFootball.com. Uh, scheduled to join us next. We'll take a quick time out here on Bird 365 and see if we can establish with Chris Landry. Scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl winning head coach. They traded the highest paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. His birds 365. Day before the NFL draft here on Birds 365. I'm Jerry McDonald. He's John McMullen. We are your Mac and Mac guys. We're trying to get you prepped, ready, insightful for all things that could happen coming up in the NFL draft. Uh, you've heard plenty from us. That's why we like to reach out to others to lend a different type of insight, maybe a different view on things. And we're lucky enough to have a guy who's ready to hop on with us. Uh, I've had him on my show plenty of times over the years on the radio side. <clears throat> Glad to get him up and streaming with us here on Birds 365. Former NFL scout uh, turned draft analyst Chris Landry joins us here on Birds 365. How are you this morning, Chris? Good, guys. How are you this morning? Doing well, Chris. You know, anytime I can get somebody who's hired by Bill Belichick, that's a check mark in, <laughs> in your column. So... Uh, you hold some weight when it comes to, uh, obviously, the personnel, both on the pro side, the, the college side. First thing I've asked everybody during this unique year is how difficult has it been able to gather information? Because you don't have the combine. You don't have the apples to apples comparison when you talk about, you know, 40 times measurables uh, with pro days and, and then the Zoom meetings instead of the top 30. How much has it changed for you? Oh, it's been um, – it's the toughest year um, in modern times. I go back. My first year scouting was 1982 with, with Blesto, Bears, Lions, Eagles, Steelers, Talent Organization. It's one of the two NFL scouting combines. I was a young coach at LSU at the time, and I'm, I was trying to think yesterday about – you know, so we – I was involved in starting the first combine and ran it for years. It's – since we've had the combine – this is the most chaotic season we've had. I, I, it's probably important to remind folks that 
while COVID hit last year, we got the combine in. I know, I know it affected mm-hmm. the draft on how you consumed it on virtually, but that doesn't matter. We got the combine in this year. We didn't. And so, you know, two weeks ago we had, you know, 150 players at Indy getting medicals. That's not what we, we normally do a lot more. And the information is trickling in and, and people in the league are pulling their hair out because it's, it's not that the information is bad. It's incomplete. It's the unknown that you don't know. So you really have, and, and, for people to know how medical grades work is you take the information, you have detailed uh, medical history, MRIs, uh, full body x-rays, everything. And medical doctors like we as coaches and scouts evaluate film, they evaluate all that information and medical doctors will put a grade on it. And, you know, they're different. The Eagles guys may be different than the skin of Washington or, or it's, it's, it's different, different views on it, the risk mm-hmm. level. And without as much information, it's just hard to really know. And so it's, we're going to have a lot of things happen this weekend that are going to surprise folks. Cause you know, this, you guys have uh, known Jody, for, you know how this people consume the draft by reading stuff on the internet and they think they knew who the best players are that they don't know. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, it's going to be way across the board outside of a few players that, I mean, where people are going to say, I just, I can't take them now, you know, and, and uh, look, that that's happened before in the past. You know, I passed on Curtis Martin one round. I wanted to wait, run around later to take him because he had all sorts of injuries that pit. Son of a yeah. guy never got injured in the NFL. You just never know. <laughs> now, now we're dealing with, um, with stuff that we don't know. I mean, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make a determination on Caleb Farley, who's is was a top ten player in this draft, but he's got a back issue? I mean, I got to tell you, if it's a back or a neck, that automatically puts a a redder flag on it. But but it, you may be missing on a guy. It's it's a crapshoot there more than ever, and that is the thing that everybody's pulling their hair out about right now. Follow up question to that, Chris, uh, related to it certainly, but a follow up. Um, injuries, like you say with Caleb Farley, surely you've dealt with that before. You try and get as much medical information as possible and you make an educated guess as to how it's going to affect his career going forward. But we've got something this year never dealt with before, and that's opt-outs. If you look at the way people were grading and guys like yourself and others, as soon as the draft happens and it's over and done with, you stick in a drawer and you move ahead to the next year draft, three guys. Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, Micah Parsons. Uh, most guys had him in the top 10, unquestioned top 10. Some of them had him in the top five, as a matter of fact. Trevor Lawrence, those three guys, and maybe one other quarterback. And that was your top five during the offseason. Three of them decided to opt out. So you've got to make a talent judgment without seeing any of them play football this year. You had the Pac-12 play a limited schedule, but a limited schedule is better than no games whatsoever. And that's <clears> what you got out of Sewell, Michael Parsons, uh, and now who am I missing? Uh, ba, 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 ba. Uh, Chase. Uh, Jamar uh, Chase. Jamar yeah. Chase. Well, how do you do that? How do you how well, do you evaluate a player without them having played a game in the last 16 months? All you can do is evaluate the known, the, the level of exposure that you have is all you have to do. Now I've, I chart these and follow these guys coming out of high school because I want to see how they develop. And then I don't have to go back and, well, what is this guy? And I remember, you know, and most of them don't make it to this point. So if it's Jamar Chase and it's Micah Parsons and it's Panay Sewell, 
you know what they are. They are elite talent. Where I think it hurts is the guy that missed an opportunity because they chose to or it was chosen <laughs> for them to not be able to play. You know, for example, I think a guy like Jamie Newman made a mistake. I think he's a talented guy. I think he's very athletic, but I th thought he needed a lot of work. I thought he did some good things at Wake Forest. I, you know, maybe he wouldn't have won the job at Georgia. Maybe that's why he opted. The point is, is the inability to be able to play through injuries, opting out or what have you, is a lost opportunity to prove yourself and to improve your stock there. Um, if that's why if you're an elite player and you you opt out of the senior bowl or what have you, well, it doesn't matter because you're an elite player. Is, is it going to affect Jamar Chase? No. Why? He was a great player. He was the best player on the field two years ago for LSU at receiver, and that includes the best rookie receiver in the league last year, Justin Jefferson, yeah. who – I know I, I don't want to bring that up. That's probably a source <laughs> of Eagle fan. Um, certainly is. You, you know, you know where that yeah. is. And and you know, Justin is a great player. This guy was the better player without question. Now, it, it, does it hurt him? No. Would I like to see him play? Yes. Now I do say this. If I do have players that are equal grades, and one of them you know, he's got fire in his belly and he opted to play and one guy didn't, that matters to me. I'm an old school football guy. I want a guy that's going to say, get out of my way. I want to run over and I want to play football. You know, we live in a world today and I've had to learn this. I don't know that I fully accepted it, that we're living in a world where Uncle Leroy and, uh, you know, Aunt Susie are telling you, protect yourself, this and that, and the agent and the agent runners um, if you eliminate all those guys, you, you're not going to have a whole lot there. But I, that matters to me. And I do think if it's equal, if all else is equal, I'm going to go with the cleaner guy, meaning the guy that I'm a little – feel a little bit more comfortable medically, a little bit more comfortable character-wise. And character is not just is, does he commit a crime or not. <laughs> yeah. There's personal character and there's football character. The guy that just can't get enough football, that loves it, you know, you know this, in order to be great at something, you better love it. Because if you don't love it, you're going to just show up and do what you need to do, and you're not going to spend the extra time. So what are you doing on your off day as a quarterback in this league? If your butt is not in there studying film trying to get better, you're not going to be great. You will be as good as your physical gifts will allow you, but you will never be great. So it's little things like that that matter to me. And all of it factors into how I grade a player and ultimately how I would recommend a player. Uh, talking with Chris Landry, you can check him out at LandryFootball.com. And Chris, something you said just piqued my interest about the love of football because I immediately go to Jalen Phillips because I think he's a top 10 talent. But if you look at his history, you got the concussions, UCLA, whatever went on there with Chip Kelly, quit the game. You know, a lot of people yep. say loves to be a music producer, whatever. So when you talk about love of the game versus a kid who came back and went to Miami and produced and opted in while Greg Russo opted out and had a huge year, how difficult is that to weigh? Uh, history I, I, versus yeah. performance. Yeah, I, look, I think you have to look at all of it. So the performance is what it is. You see what their capabilities are. So 
both of those guys, you see, and, and if you really study it, it really matter, marries their personality most of the time. Both of those guys are really talented. Um, you watch them play. It's a little sporadic in terms of effort. You, when they flash, you can make, a, we call it, you can make a highlight tape and make anybody look great or anybody, make anybody look like the first pick in the draft or make anybody look like a, a free agent. You know, you can do that. It's to study progressively throughout all of this film. How does he do it? And it's, it's part of getting to know the player. And it's another part about this year, too. We weren't able to get on campus as much this year. It's, it's getting to find out, you know, from the trainer and equipment guy, how much they like being around. Do they do extra lifts? Do, is a part of it? Or is it a means to an end? Here's the ugly little secret that your listeners may be surprised about. Most players at best like football. Very few to love it. Most of it, it's a means to, it's a scholarship. It's big money. They're chasing the dream. But a lot of them, this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it is, they've arrived. You hadn't arrived. I mean, it's just, it's a starting point. Now, it's a launching point this weekend. A lot of them take it as, I got my money, and it's what I can remember uh, begging Bruce Kebrick and, and Al Davis at the time. Do not. I knew Jamarcus Russell from high school. Do not go there. You're going to live to regret it. It was the Ooh. easiest thing because he didn't like the game. He didn't have a great capacity to learn, and he was unwilling. He, he was so lazy. That's never going to work. And so you have you have to know that. How do you know that? You got to really study everything from the background, <laughs> dig into high school, dig into everything in college, everybody around them, and then study the tape. Go to practice. See the practice tape. How do they deal with it? Everybody's going to sit there. I haven't had anybody say, yeah, Jody, John, I, I don't really like the game. I'm just in it for the money. <laughs> Who's going to say yeah. that? They're all going to tell you, I love it, coach. Yeah, they're all going to tell you that. But you know what? I don't ask them whether they like the game. I ask them things that are going to tell me what I want to know about, like, what do you, you know, it's very innocuous. So what do you, Hey, what do you like to do? You know, you know, you just, you know, you find, yeah, my, my boys like to like to play video games. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, kids do that today, but I give you a quick example. You know, uh, th this was when Ryan leaf came out. If you talk to Mike price in the Washington state staff, Hardest working guy, guy you want your your daughter to marry, all great things. Yeah. But there were some other things on campus we kind of dug up. So I know I went to his high school coach in Montana and got the scoop. I actually knew a couple, knew somebody that knew him, and I found out the whole deal. But you know what? When when it came to the combine interview, the the one thing I said, hey man, look, you got, and I I say this in a very innocuous way, man, you got, boom. Big signing bonus right now. I give it to you. What's the first thing you do? Right. You know, I just, you think it's funny, man, me and my boys are going to Jamaica this weekend and there's nothing wrong. I know that's kind of funny and kidding, but if you kind of tie it into it, it's, 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 you follow that a lot of party atmosphere, a lot of that. These guys are not choir boys, but if certain positions, it's leadership positions, you got to really know. You just got to know, John and Jody, everything you can about this player. You got to know what you're getting. That's why we do psychological tests. My head coach and GM wanted Lawrence Phillips in the worst way. And I said, we can't do it. And, and when I interviewed Lawrence Phillips, 
the thing that ended it for me, and I, he had all the background, is I think I know he had the trouble. I had to figure out why he had the trouble. What was the root of the problem? And I asked him about his mother and father. I don't know my mother. Never met her. I don't know my father. Never met him. And the first thing I'm thinking in my mind is, holy bleep, no wonder this kid's bleeped up. And I said, who in your life are you closest to? He says, my brother. Great. Tell me about your brother. How often you guys get together? He says, well, I hadn't seen him in nine years. He's, oh, in, the, he's, oh. in, the, he's in the L.A. State Penitentiary. So uh. I'm thinking, we, you know, I know we got a problem here. So we spent, and, and Bud Adams was, you know, so tight. You know, if he swallowed a quarter, only two dimes would come out. <laughs> but, but we got him to spend $750 on a psychological test. And, you know, people laugh at that stuff. You know what the psychologist told me? She said, during the season, he'll be fine. You will be able to have a structure, make sure you get to the meet. He says, the minute the season's over, guys like that retreat to the people that they're the closest. Well, the people that he was closest to, really, he didn't tell me this, but, you know, it's, it's the gang members in L.A. Well, what did Lawrence felt? Now, that's a, 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 an exaggerated example. Not everybody goes into where they get, they kill somebody in jail and kill themselves. That That's dramatic. But there's a lot of these guys do certain, a lot of guys are fragile. A lot of guys are manipulated by women. Some are, you know, and affected positively or negatively. There's a lot of things you need to know that a lot of things that go into making a player, um, you know, a, a different level player than just the physical skills. Some great stories from Chris Landry here with us on Burge 365. All right, that plays perfectly into my next <clears throat> question about a specific player, Justin Fields. I've got my own opinion on him, very high on him. Thought he was second best quarterback before the season started. Still do now. Doesn't look like that's where he's going to end up. Uh, yes, Wilson <clears throat> had a great year for BYU. I don't think he surpassed Justin Fields. He still checks all the boxes when it comes to what he's done on the field, did on the field, has the capability of doing on the field. But if he slides in the draft, it has to be something above and beyond his physical capabilities. Your sources, what you've heard, why do you think Justin Fields isn't going to be the second quarterback taken? Should he be the second quarterback taken? What has your research told you about the former Ohio State quarterback? There's nothing sinister, nothing going on. It's just a matter of opinion of the people there. So, look, there is – Jody, we've talked about this a bunch. Uh, and, John, I think you can relate to this too. There is this kind of a – because I've been asked to do it. I've, I've got the initial checklist of the 2022 NFL draft board up on LandryFootball.com. And, and I tell people, the, this is not the way it's going to look next April. These are the guys that to this point have done certain things, and, and it's it's we'll track them and, and many others. There's this belief that certain guys are going to go one or two, and when all of a sudden they don't, they're like, something's wrong. It's unfair to the kid. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just a viewpoint, uh, and, and it may not be right. Um, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. The Jets have decided to hit the reset button. I, I've said this to you, Jody, I think, on your national show. If the Jets <clears> – if, if Sam Darnold was in this draft, the Jets would be taking him number two. But because they didn't put a team around Sam Darnold, you don't even know what Sam Darnold is. You can't even – you can't even say good, bad, and it, don't know. They, they didn't – in their eyes, 
weren't going to be able to figure it out in one year, so they just kind of punted it, traded them, and they're going to hit the reset button with Zach Wilson. Is it going to work? Depends on what they do around the kid, like any quarterback. Uh, Here's why you would like, say, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. They're all different, okay? They're all good. They all got high grades by me, but they're different. Zach Wilson is the – He's got a lot of arm flexibility like a Tony Romo or Baker Mayfield. He's got a personality like Baker Mayfield. He can make a lot of platform throws. He is the most natural thrower of the ball. I mean, he'd be great pitcher with arm angles and all that. He'd be a great shortstop. I mean, you know, he can throw it, you know, side him. He can do all of that. Very creative. Um, and he's very confident. Very good reason to like him. Justin Fields um, is tough, is a leader is accurate outside the pocket, uh, is gets criticized a little bit because, well, he doesn't go through a lot of progressions. That offense is built on a lot of high-low reads. And so, does he know his offense, and is he intelligent enough and hardworking enough to learn whatever you teach him? I don't care what he knows. I want to I wanna know what's his capability and desire to learn, and, and I think he's fine. And somebody's going to get him a good quarterback. I don't know where he's going to go. And I don't know why. I don't know what the Niners are going to do. I think I may do. If the Niners take Mac Jones, oh, my God, the world's going to get. If they take Mac Jones, they're taking him because they've identified him as, and by the way, Mac Jones, what you like about Mac Jones is up here. Smartest guy on the board since Peyton Manning. A brilliant a you teach him something at at the senior bowl he put the playbook together he was teaching it to the players he is very very cerebral now if you build a pocket a lot he gets the ball out on time he knows where to go he's pars under pressure if you don't build a good pocket for him he can't make out all platform throws he's got his accuracy and his arm strength comes from his lower body so if he can't set his feet he's in trouble if you take him, you're taking him because you want the mine and you want you're going to build an offense around him to allow him to distribute the ball. In today's game, a lot of people want a quarterback that can make plays outside the pocket because they see Mahomes, they see guys like that. Fine. You don't want that. It's like going on a car lot. I mean, you want a four by four, you want a minivan, you want to <laughs> I mean, they're all good, but but you, you know, if you want if Jody wants a four by four, you ain't going to sell him on a minivan. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the best deal there. So the point is, it's not so much this guy, this, it's what do you really want? I like Justin Fields. I think somebody's going to give him a really good quarterback. But I'll tell you this tell me who's going to have the, the most consistent coaching head coach, coordinator, stay in the same system, the longest best personnel around him, that's the guy that's going to end up having the better career, at least short-term. But that's really the key. It's the most important position, but it's the most dependent. I, I, I think every the poster boy for the great quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. Can do everything. Arm angles, create plays, do all that. He's phenomenal. I, I would tell you, as good as he is, no, no, no disrespect, you put that guy on the Jets – or Detroit, those he makes them better, but they're not. You know, we're talking about, man, that guy is a playmaker, but, boy, there's a lot of turnovers. There's a lot of mistakes, and they're not really good, and they can't win. That's the same thing. You know, Tom Brady, t- 
takes the Buccaneers and elevates them to a Super Bowl team. That's a team that does not win the Super Bowl with Jameis Winston at quarterback, but they do with Tom Brady. But if you took Tom Brady and put him on the Jets or the Lions, ain't going to the playoffs. You're not you know, maybe winning a couple of games. So the point is, <laughs> all right, enough with the Jets. All right? yeah, I know yeah, my Jets stink. I'm, I'm I know sorry. the Jets have been a yeah. embarrassment yeah. to an organization. Sorry. We got to stop using what? them as what? the example of they will never turn it around. Thinking about ruffling the feathers. My God, I got yeah. I, I got into the bird's nest. No, I, I, you know, that's the whole point is organizations win and lose. And I think we can talk all day about it. Zach Wilson, the guys, Justin Fields, the guy. Yes, that is really important. It is critically important. But I can guarantee you that if you don't have the right guy coaching them, developing, you don't put a team around them, that is a sure bet for failure. And that's why good players develop. It's not everybody will look at this yeah. weekend as the answer. It's not. It's the start of trying to build something, and I don't think people get it. You know, it's like Joe Burrow's number one last year. Joe Burrow can be an outstanding quarterback. If they don't protect him, if they don't yeah. give him weapons, Joe Burrow will be, wow, he was a bust. Is he a bust or they're not really good? I mean, what's the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford? Aaron Rodgers is better. Aaron Rodgers in Detroit would have had a better career than probably Stafford by a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers with Detroit's multiple coaches and whatnot may not even have made the playoffs, but maybe once like Matthew Stafford. You put Matthew Stafford in Green Bay, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they win a Superman. It may not be as good as Aaron Rodgers, but it would be but really good. And you'd think of Matthew Stafford a lot better because he'd have more success and probably more MVPs and this kind of stuff. So I, yeah. I think we need to understand that when we're talking about players and the fits and how you raise them in the league, all those things are critically important. Yeah, Chris, I always go back to 1999. I mean, with Donovan McNabb and Andy <laughs> Reid. I mean, you think about that draft, Tim Couch, Achilles Smith. What if they ended up with Andy Reid? You know, how does that change things And with Donovan McNabb? But to that end, I want to go, because it is Burst 365, I want to go to your thoughts last year about Jalen Hurts. People talk about him as being a natural leader, as being sort of a football wonk. We had Ron Jaworski, that's what he called him, uh, somebody who can go on the board and tell you everything about the offense, uh, just really a high football IQ. But maybe the traits aren't there. Maybe the high-level traits. If you look at Jalen Hurts versus the top quarterbacks in this draft, you mentioned Sam Darnold would go number two. Would Jalen Hurts be in the equation, or no. would he not? No, 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 he's not. He's the, the problem with Jalen is passing skills. That's what he lacks: accuracy, getting the ball out on time, and throwing it to spots. You know, there's a ton of things that go into to making up being a good quarterback. There are about 24, 25 critical factors. But when you sum it up, the quarterback in the passing game, you know, at the line of scrimmage, he's got to get you into the best play. You know, at as a passer, you've got to know where to go with the football and you got to get it there accurately on time. And that's the biggest thing. If you're a little bit late and if you got a gun for an arm, now Mahomes can be a little bit late and zoom, it still gets there because there's a lot of improvisational plays. But Jalen is a competitor, a leader, a really good athlete. What you have to do with him, and I thought he was a great college quarterback, 
You've got to create spacing and coverage. You got to do a lot of half field reads. You've got, he can throw it, but he's not going to be precise. You've got to run on offense if that's what they're going to do. Similar to what, when he was healthy and younger, what Carolina did for Cam Newton. Meaning you've got to create spacing, get a tight end down the seam, easy throws, because throwing it into tight windows, he'll be a little late, he'll be a little off target. And in the pro game, that's a pick or a knockdown. So can he be successful? Yes, but you've got to work around it. Like any quarterback, I mean, you wouldn't want Tom Brady rolling out, would you? You know, so, you know, except the fact that, you know, it's not a criticism of players. I always say it's an evaluation. It's what we do as scouts, as coaches. How do you get better? So Jalen will work at it. Jalen will get better. If that's where they go, then then they're going to have to do that offensively with him. But there are limitations, accuracy, and that's why – I, I was a little surprised that they took them there, although I thought the plan was going to be they were going to use this guy like Sean did in New Orleans with Taysom Hill. Yeah. Athlete, you know, situational guy, have a package, you know, can finish a game, um, you know, but those are the type of things that I think are really important. But, you know, for me, accuracy, and that's the other thing too, is when people will always go to, completion percentage completion percentage is not accuracy it's accuracy percentage and then you got to break down all the routes because obviously if you throw a lot of screens short passes your completion percentage is going to mm-hmm. be higher remember when they said josh allen wasn't accurate because he had a 53 percent completion hey throwing the football downfield of wyoming of yeah. course of course the guy that's running bubble screens is going to have 72 completion percentage what are you talking about you know that's a guy right there another example boy I mean, I can remember Bill's fans for this guy's a bust, is a bum. Take this guy from Wyoming. Now, if you're talking about the best young quarterbacks in the league, Mahomes, you know, Allen, it's very short list. He's coming up. So, you know, I think, you know, but but to answer your question, I think he's got some, Jalen's got some limitations accuracy wise. You got to work around that. All right. Since we're doing this quarterback thing and you're giving us great insight there, I'm going to go there too. Carson Wentz stunk out the joint this year, and we kicked it around a lot and debated as to why that was the case. Was it inside his head? Is he not the same player who's been hurt several times so far? Where the hell did the 2017 Carson Wentz go? What's the 2021 Carson Wentz going to look like in Indianapolis? Oh, if I had the, the crystal ball. Here's the thing that's tough, and even for me with experience, I'm not in there coaching the guy every day or no. What went on? Here's what I do know. You mentioned 2017. You're talking about a guy that that we're talking about right now, like we're talking about Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. This guy was. This guy, man, I'm thinking this Eagle team, they won a Super Bowl, they got this young quarterback. They are set. I don't know that I've seen a team just, just drop so precipitously in a division where, I mean, it should be them and everybody else because they had it going and they've just, they're just with everybody else that stinks in that division. Um, I don't know what happened with Carson. I mean, you, everyone's going to speculate. So here's the thing. Is it a lack of mental toughness? Is it a complete personality issue? Was it coaching issues? Was it front office and, and coaching? I, I think some of that's, true i think there's some manipulation there um here's what i would say 
the guy that was very, very instrumental in him playing so well is the guy that's going to be involved in coaching him in Indianapolis. So I am very encouraged by the situation in Indianapolis and it's up to Carson now. I mean, I think, I think we're going to have the answer to your question in, in, in this year. You worry about health. You know, you worry about staying healthy. You worry, as we talk about, you worry about maybe overcoming that emotionally, and that's tough. Being injured and working your way back is tough. I know this. He's got the physical skills, and I've seen the intangibles. Uh, Bill, the late Bill Walsh, you know, always used to tell me, and he says, if a guy can do it, if you see him do it, you know he can and it's your job as a coach to get it out of them more regularly, more consistently. Now, I, I, I uh, uh, revere Coach Walsh, and I think he's right. To a point, some guys can do it, and then they lose their motivation, and I guess it's up to coaching to get them to that level. But I, I'm curious to see what Carson does. I, I, um, I have a feeling that it may end up being a lot better, and that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting for you guys because yeah. you're saying what the where the bleep was this guy, and you know because it it was why did it go so bad so quickly, which leads to another question we'll leave for another day of some of the political structure in the Eagles that could be contributing yeah. to some of the problems yeah. there that that I think that is where I'm leaning towards where the problem is, but look. Carson's got to stand up and he's got to, he's got to be tougher and do what he's got to do. And we'll see if he can do it. I, you know, I can, let's see if he will do it. We we do have to have you back, Chris, because I want to pick your brain uh, about the Eagles front office. Uh, but last one from me, great insight. And everybody should uh, go to LandryFootball.com because you were ground floor, a little bit of an existential question. You were ground floor in the scouting combine, you know, and back then, guys would train for football, show up and, and do the drills. And you kind of knew, uh, you know, their athleticism for the football field. Now you have all these training facilities. You have guys specifically hired to get these guys ready for these particular drills. Has that affected the ability to really understand who's ready to play professional football? Cause they're, they're specifically planning and preparing for for what you guys developed, you know, as a natural sort of scouting tool. Well, as you guys know, first of all, when we started the combine, it was one reason and one reason only for medicals. So yeah. that players are not going. I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. the great Nolan Cromwell. I remember seeing him in the airport. You know, I remember with the Rams. You know, he was at Kansas as a quarterback, and he he had like X-rays of. 10 teams going to the 11th. It was just nuts. So it was done for medical physicals. Then we decided to develop into the workouts. Yeah. If you, to answer your question, John, if you just look at the numbers, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it's not going, that's not what really matters. You've got to watch the guy work out. What we're looking for in workouts is a guy's a natural athletic ability to play the position. We see them on film. But remember, we're watching guys on film in college. So their athleticism, their strength, their quickness, everything is relative to who they're doing it against. As I always like to say, if you got a receiver that runs 4-7 going up against a corner that runs 4-7-5, 
that receiver is going to look fast. Neither one of them can play in the league because they are too slow at a certain position. And if they're a receiver, for example, mm. so what we're looking for is the, uh, the traits, the athletic traits and see how it transfer it transfers to the pro game. It, it doesn't tell you whether a guy can play. It tells you about his athletic traits. So when you're looking at a guy and you see him play, and let's say he's a, an offensive lineman that doesn't play real well, but in the workouts, you see, he's got great feet and he's natural knee bender. And I mean, why doesn't he play better? Well, then that's what we got to know. That's what we got to go up and figure out. What is it? This guy's a really good athlete. He doesn't play football very well. Well, you don't just say, can't play, done the hell with him. You, you got to study and say, why is it? Why is it that a guy can't do certain things? It makes you go back to the tape. Here's a little tip. 90% of the time, the film and the workout match. Yep. I see old Jody, John there. That, that's exactly how they play on film. It's the 10% of the time that you got to go back and say, what the deal? What is the deal here? It doesn't marry up. And you got to answer that question. It could be, you know, I worked out this corner one time. I was, Belichick sent me out and I was, I was going to all these. There's this kid. He couldn't, I mean, he was really good seeing the ball and tracking the ball when he was going over his left shoulder, over his right shoulder, he couldn't couldn't figure out what is the deal here. Athleticism, he was legally blind in one of his eyes. Every time he turned up, he couldn't, you know, he was seeing it with his right eye over his left shoulder, and it was late tracking it. It's little things like that. Um, Carl Nix, I don't know if you remember, Carl Nix was – he was the best guard in the league for about three years and signed a monstrous contract with the Buccaneers. And and uh, God bless him, he had that MRSA, and it almost cost him his leg. Yeah, He was a tremendous athlete out of Nebraska. Didn't play very well. I mean, but the workout was phenomenal. Couldn't figure it out. Looking at the tape, he could always played high. Always played high. So the defense always got underneath. Well, why is he playing high? Did you teach him that? No, he's not telling me. When he gets in his stance and workouts, he's low. He had a hearing issue. He naturally, naturally, you know, have you ever said somebody's got some hearing problems? You know, you kind of, they lift their ear. He didn't realize he was lifting his ear a little bit to hear the the adjustments. And, and it was just enough to get leverage where, oh, so he's getting pushed off the ball, pushed off the ball. It's little things like that. If you don't study, you can write a guy off, can't play. Why can't he play? What's the problem? And if the answer is, guy's not real tough. He doesn't really want it. He doesn't work hard. Well, then that's fine. But if it's something else you missed on, Saints took him on the sixth round, and, again, he was the best guard in the league for a while. That happens a bunch. Got to do your homework. It's just that's why people will react this weekend. Great pick, bad pick. You don't know. You don't know for years because you don't know all the details. You don't know why. You don't know who's going to be coaching them. And that's why I say the teams that the teams that coach well usually draft well. You know why? They understand what they're looking for. This guy fits their scheme. There's, you know, it, it, teams go in with about 100 players on their board because there's only guys that those are the only guys that really fit what they want. And they evaluate guys that fit what they want to do. They have a plan. They constantly work the plan. The people that change coaches and staffs every three or four years. Well, what are you doing? It's like trying to build a house. 
and every two months you cut it down to the studs and you start over again where you never move into the house. So all of a sudden now you guy that you just drafted that you're going to build this. We're going to be a zone blocking team. This is what we're going to do in two years, a new coordinator. No, I don't, I don't want, well, everything you just did in the last three drafts doesn't work now. Then you're starting over and over. That's why good teams, good organizations are bad with the process and you know, good ones are good. Despite the fact that he just buried my Jets, uh, at <laughs> yeah, least, at least he didn't that. go it's, Mike Mulmula as the yeah, individual oh, who I, didn't I, marry I, the tape I, with that, the combine workout. So no, we're that, thankful that, for that. that. That's the whole story. I got a, I got a Mike Mamula story for you back. I can remember that. You know, I, I remember that whole story. I went well, into BC that year. We'll do that another time. Yes, yeah. We'll save that for another day. Hey, he's got more stories in the library, yes. folks. We hope you enjoyed the segment with with uh, Chris with us today. If you did, check out his website, uh, LandryFootball.com. Uh, follow Chris on Twitch. Uh, he'll continue to uh, churn these stories for you leading up to the draft. Chris, we appreciate it greatly with you hopping on with us today. You uh, bet. Talk to you again down the road. Hey, real thank, thanks for having me. Uh, go birds and, and go jets uh, for you, Jay. Go jets. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. enjoy the draft. Take care. You thanks, got it. Chris. That's Chris Landry here. This he's trying to be nice after he just completely he dug the grave, then he threw the dirt back on top of, then he patted it down just to yeah. make sure. He was awesome though, Jody. Great stories. Great More stories. stories than a library. That's Chris Landry. All right. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys, Birds 365. Take a quickie timeout. Come back. Put a bird on a uh, bow on the show. The countdown to the draft continues. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Mac and Mac guys here with you on Bird 365 as we uh, come to the closing parts of another episode that much closer to the NFL draft, which will take place starting at 8 p.m. tomorrow with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock and somewhere, oh, I'd say about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes thereafter, the Eagles will be up with the 12th pick of the draft, uh, and we'll talk plenty about that tomorrow. First things first, thanks, Chris Landry, for coming on. Uh, he is a guy I've been having on my shows for a long time. Kind of fell out of touch for him a while. Glad that I got back with him this year and said, hey, you can be on Birds 365 with us. Uh, we will make sure whenever we schedule Chris, have a nice long segment because yeah. he is a storyteller and a half. Uh, great uh, old school type guy who's got great uh, historical references and the like. And I will say this, see if you agree with me, John. I think Chris Landry would like Nick Sirianni because he's Loves an emotional all. guy yeah. and he's a guy who leans heavily on desire. What is your desire? Let me be able to read your desire. How motivated are you to be the best that you can be when you're out there on the field? I get that same thing out of Nick Sirianni, that your attitude, your desire, what uh, is within you that makes you a football player. I believe that's uh, something that's a core tenet for Nick Sirianni. So he and Chris Landry would get along real well. Oh, they would get along great. They both love football. And people laugh about that. But it's so important to people in the industry. And and Chris explained it so beautifully because, you know, some of these guys, I think people don't realize. that was That was one of the best parts he said about this. You know, a lot of them want to play uh, in the NBA. Uh, or, or want to play Major League Baseball, and for whatever reason, their traits take them to football. This is a hard profession, and it is uh, a one where you don't necessarily have to love if it's going to make you a lot of money, uh, but that's also going to lend itself to flaming out a little bit early because it is a grind. So if you look at – I just go back to Jeff Samarja. Um, you know, he's a great wide receiver at Notre Dame, uh, you know, versus a, a, a great pitcher as well. He chose the baseball route. Why the heck wouldn't you? He's ended up, he's an average pitcher. I don't know how much money's made. It's astronomical, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he made the right decision. If you think about a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray, there was all that talk. If they could have made it in baseball, guess what? They probably would have went the baseball route. Guys, you know, if you're a, a great power forward, but you're not 6'8 or 6'9 in the NBA and you can't shoot 
Well, guess what? They're going to turn you into an offensive lineman, tight end, whatever. Um, you don't necessarily love the game of football, and that's where you get into issues when you talk about player evaluation. And what Chris also said was nobody's going to tell you that. Nobody's going to say, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money, and this is my best route to make a lot of money. They're going to say, I love the game, and you got to figure it out in other ways. And here's where I mostly agree with uh, the point you're making and the one that Chris made, but I'll uh, look at it slightly differently. He talked about love of the game, and you just have to live it, eat it, sleep it, breathe it, puts a smile on your face. You get nuts about it. If you've got that, that's great. I think you are only going to get the maximum amount you can out of your skills, and that's something that I would look for in any player that I try to get my hands on. But I would be okay if the guy didn't love it, didn't eat, sleep, breathe it, had other interests, as long as when they were doing their job – and they put enough hours into it, they were completely consumed by it. That They dedicated themselves yeah. to working at it and understanding it and putting the time in. Then I'm okay with it. I don't think it has to be love. I think it has to be dedication. A lot. If you, if you love it, then you're going to be dedicated. But I think you can be dedicated without the love. Yeah, but- yeah that's a good word, Jody. But I, I would bring up Andrew Luck. I mean, that's a perfect example. He was dedicated. But you know what? When the injuries started to pile up and he had other interests and he's a really uh, eclectic guy, he said, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm going to walk away. It's really difficult. And we mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Same type of thing. If you saw one hit, people said when that article came out, does he love football? Is it too easy for him? And they compared him to Andrew Luck. I don't know. It's real. It's really difficult. Because if, if you, you know, lacerate your kidney, if you have a shoulder surgery, if you don't love the game, you might decide to walk away like Andrew Luck did. We shall see. All right, uh, we'll be that much closer to the NFL draft tomorrow. Let us note for you that we've got two good guests already scheduled and planned for tomorrow. Les Bowen, who covers the Eagles for uh, the Daily News, dailynews.com, um, will be in um Cleveland? everything is that what everything is inquirer.com now so okay. everything's inquirer.com but yeah less is a long time he will be in cleveland so we'll have less from cleveland at 8 20 and then you know one of our most popular early guests at 9 20 matt manicharian former yeah. nfl scout did a great job we're getting these great guests jody yeah we're doing, doing a pretty good job. Hopefully, all the uh, viewers out there of Birds 365 are enjoying. We'll have another good one for you tomorrow and then the draft on Thursday. And we've got some very good guests who are going to join us after the Eagles make their first-round pick. One who includes the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Looks like we're going to have Merrill with it, uh, Merrill Reese with us on Friday. So very much looking forward to that. Partner, have a good day. Uh, feel free to tell the wife you don't feel well. Jake, it's the rest of the day. You put your two hours of work in here with me. Probably heard me say that, so I'm going to be in trouble. See if you can skate the next uh, 22 hours before we get back on here on Birds 365. Have yourself a great afternoon, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.